Hello, friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Heidelin and beyond. And my name is Jen, and I am joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Thanks, Jen. You're welcome. Today, we are wrapping up the Gordania main story quest. Yes, we are. So, Jen, what happened last time? Last time, we ventured outside of Gordania a bit and went to the Bannock, which is where they train all the wood whalers and uh, helped uh, Gelfrid? Yeah, I think so. Out with a couple of errands or whatever, and then they had some problems at the Lifemen stump, and we dealt with that. We met Ida and Papalimo. We also, in... Uh, spirit hold we met the quote-unquote shadow which is our masked mage i think that's about it and then we went back to the carline canopy to check in with mother and yes. that's uh that's where we're at waiting for our next assignment from mother thank you our next assignment being we need to meet keitha at bent branch meadows she works at the or i think she owns the uh the stables yes bent branch is a small settlement that surrounds a chocobo rookery the rookery is named the moogles gift mounts which does not roll off the tongue nope there is a backstory to that though there is we'll figure it out in a bit there is a giant balloon over the entrance jen did you notice yeah it's so high up though like you literally cannot look up and see it from the entrance because the z-axis does not go that high from your character's viewpoint well they're just trying to Capture all of those um, airborne eyeballs by mean for, for advertising purposes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. All that air traffic going on. Because there's a little wooden arch over the entrance to the stables. And then there is a wooden sign of a chocobo. And then above that is the balloon. Probably 30 feet off the ground. I wonder if it's like a, uh, like a ride, you know, for the kids. Like they have that at like petting zoos and shit where they, they send you up in a balloon like 20 feet. And, oh my god, look how high we are. It's amazing. We're in a balloon. And then they like... Mur, 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 well, it's attached to the sign. So I don't think so. Nah. Also, it's a repurposed Ixali war balloon. Hmm. It's got blood in them fibers. We are here to help out at the ranch. Keitha is the head wrangler and she needs some errands done. Big surprise. Yeah, here, here are our adventurer muscles, milady. First up... We have to deal with a Kikurn problem. These rat people are at it again. This time they are stealing chocobo eggs, and they broke one during the theft. A nearby soldier, Rosaline, will, quote, know what to do. Right. We've got one person within range who knows how to deal with these Kikurns. What is her custom solution? Just go kill them. This, this is super fucked up, Jen. Yes. It's not just go kill them. There were four of them that broke into the stables, so we're, go- we're going to go kill four... Or indiscriminately. Yes. Yes. Be- because they're all the same. Correct. And we put the fear at them. And I like I wrote I wrote on my notes, I'm like, okay, so we have to go kill some Kakirans, you know, eye for an eye, whatever. Which not, that's not exactly what we're doing here. But what we really should be asking ourselves is, why do they, th- why do they have to resort to theft? Are they starving? Yes. How, yeah, society has failed these they people. They literally live under the highway. Yeah. So, like, 
don't get mad at them because they're simply trying to survive because they you know you've you've pushed them out of that what it's a whole it's a whole thing it bothers me so much this is probably one of the most fucked up things we have to do it's essentially going to go kill homeless people yes and like we don't have a choice unless we want to quit the game but to do it yes so <laughs> rosaline tells us to go kill four of them because four of them broke into the farm and broke an egg because they were startled oh the whole thing is so messed up they have a ramshackle camp underneath the matron's lathe, which is a giant root which doubles as a tradeway. This runs down from a huge raised cliff and runs down to the lower level where most of Central Shroud is situated. Yeah, I think it goes from Sorrel Haven down to Bed Branch. Right. So they're in this little homeless camp underneath this highway, and we go kill four of them and head back to Rosaline. Good job, us. Yay! All right. Off to a great start. Those crimes concluded, we now get to do the more pleasant task of removing some fungus for another nearby wood whaler named um, Osha Jab. Yeah. We pick up this fungus on the way up the tradeway, and then we report to another whaler named Theodore. He's afraid of heights, so for, of course they put him at the very top. Rosaline probably put him there. Yeah, you need to face your fears, bro. Yeah, exactly. Toughen up. Uh-huh. Theodore has seen a shadowy figure about. You would be thinking this must be the same shadowy figure that's been plaguing the Twelve's Wood in general, but no, you'd be wrong. <laughs> this is a separate shadowy figure. Surprise. <laughs> it is surprising. So we report back to Rosaline that there's some creeper about. She sends us to the north to go check it out. We find a burnt-out campfire and a leather bag. Inside of it, there is a chocobo brush and and rosling oil. Ah, yes. Rosaline thinks this person is messing with the chocobos, so she has us go all over the central shroud and warning the guards about this chocobo rustler. Oh, yeah, okay. So Rosaline is probably some, some kind of sociopath. When we tell her that Theodore saw a shadowy figure and whatever she's like oh it's probably one of those shit fuck karens <laughs> like, oh my god she has a serious problem anyway so we go around bent branch and and give them a heads up like hey there's a there's a suspicious guy wandering around if you could just be a little bit more alert than usual I'm like okay that's that and then we, we move into a, a, something totally different so the next one is a, another standard thing to do that you're assigned to go kill some things. So there was apparently some Lollafell who was bothered by some flying monsters, quote unquote. And now we have to go kill the flying monsters. I think these were just buzzards. Yes. Yeah. They um, said um, specifically that they must not be buzzards because they would never attack people. Welp. But they are. And they did. So... Because they're protecting their nest, but we kill the parents and take the egg too, I think. I don't remember if we take the egg, but yeah, we had to go Either way, with... it's dead. <laughs> yeah, it's again, just um, genocide. And then... Yep, so we're on a roll today. Yeah. But at the same time, we have to go to the nearby whaler and give him like a, a stern talking to by proxy. Because the guy that sent us on this quest was like, oh, the only reason why there's like this... A, a, a buzzard presence there anymore is because what's his face isn't doing his patrol right <laughs> okay so we kill the guys and we go talk to the whaler who was basically um lax in his job I'm like hey man uh do your job and he was 
suitably embarrassed and said, I, I'll never again. Also, he says he's going to edit the report to omit the fact that the buzzards were protecting their egg. It's fucked up, man. This, yeah, this is... <laughs> oh, God. Some, I mean, why aren't the elementals pissed at what we're doing? This is ridiculous. So It's okay. They're going to edit the report so the elementals won't see it and know what's up. Brilliant. We have another errand to do, which is that a, um, a hearer has gone missing. You may recall that hearers are the ones that can hear the voice of the elementals. This person was supposed to board a riverboat, but there's no sign of her. The person, Leone, is often distractible, so she might just be off doing something. Super focused on her work. And that's the case. No nefarious goings on. We find her down south by a hedge tree. She's off in a, in a trance. Well, she's, she's picking up on um, some things that the elementals are telling her about a, I don't know, a, a malevolent presence, which, again, not surprising. We know that the masked mage is wandering about, and then we have this shadowy figure who may or may not be the same thing. Don't know. Who's also fucking with chocobos. Weird. Things are afoot. Things are afoot. But she's fine. She's fine. She's like, I'll, I'll get there eventually. Just leave me alone. Okay, great. Job done. The tree's pretty cool, though. It's <laughs> got <laughs> this weave of rope that's bound together with these large beads and stone decorations. And the base is carved with intricate symbols. I totally miss that. Open your eyes, Jen. <laughs> A hedge tree is part of the hedge. The hedge is the protective barrier that protects the Twelve's wood from the outside world. Uh... But it fails like all the goddamn time. Of course it does. <laughs> so use limited, but it's still the job of the conjurers to maintain the hedge. Yeah. So she was just out doing standard maintenance stuff when she picked up on this other message. So we go tell Armel. Armel? Like her handler. <laughs> Armel is the boat captain. Yeah. She's like, all right, I'll just schedule her boat for in the future at some time. Like, Okay. And now we have to go and pick up some cargo that some merchant lost because he was attacked by a wild beast. Yep. The beast being a giant toad. We kill the toad. We grab the, the goods. Stuff, go back go to, to Bent Branch. Back at Bent Branch, something is afoot. Finally. An egg has gone missing. Not just any egg. This is an egg laid by Leia, Whoop. who is a descendant of Oranos, one of the greatest birds of Ishgard. Yep, Secretariat. Ishgard is where we can find wild chocobos. We'll be there in a long time. <laughs> so we go and question nearby witnesses. It sounds like a suspicious Elizin has nabbed the egg and headed for the Tamtara Deepcroft. For some reason, but yes. Yeah, we don't know why. We still don't know why after having done the quest. The Deepcroft is a burial site used by the Gilmorans. Also a dungeon, which we'll be back to in a short while. Yeah. So maybe just because it's it's somewhat remote and people won't fuck with him there. We're going to go track him down. Mm -hmm. We head for the deep croft and we find the egg tucked away in a corner. And there's a Moogle hovering over this. Kuplo. This is Kuplo Kupo, not Kuplo Cop. Mm -hmm. Maybe his cousin or something. Could be, yeah. Kuplo Cop is the name of the Moogle that hangs out with Ida and Papalimo. Right. And this guy, though, is Kuplo Kupo. Oh, excuse me. Kuplo Kopo. Oops. Wow. Kupo. That's a foul. Kuplo Kopo. So this was interesting. Why is there a Moogle here? Why do you have the egg? What is happening? 
what happens is a gnarly Elizan shows up. Gnarly. This guy has a scar over his face. He's got claw mark shaped face paint going the other way over his face. And he's overall a bad customer. Hmm. Seems untrustworthy. Not sure why. His name is Jean-Rémy Blackheart. <laughs> but he's going to die in two seconds, so yes, rip him, that guy. Him and his little band of minions. So when the Moogle refuses to budge, because this guy can see Moogles as well. Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, when Kupla refuses to budge, Jean-Rémy calls in his buddies, who are like three assholes we have like i think there's like a conjurer and an archer and maybe a lancer as well something like that and we all get into a fight (laughs) it's no big deal we we just kill the buddies then we uh kill sean rami yep and that's that uh with that done cuplo copo tells us that they were napping in the stables when the brigands showed up to steal the eggs they followed behind to intervene way to go we bring the egg back to the stables and the head wrangler, Keitha, tells us a story about the origins of the Moogle's gift ranch, which is that a Moogle saved her from a forest fire during the Calamity. And then she named the ranch after the gift of life that she received from the Moogle. And she wonders if this same Moogle is her guardian spirit, just hanging Aww. out, freeloading off the ranch. Probably. Probably. Yeah, because apparently he's napping there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just kind of keeping an eye out. How nice. Little Moogle buddy. Another Lancer says something super weird, though, Jen. Did you catch this? He says something about there actually being an Ishgardian involved because he was suspicious that Ishgardians had come to steal the egg. Yeah. Since it's an Ishgardian bird's egg. Right. But Jean Remy is not Ishgardian. He's like, there was an Ishgardian involved, though, which I'm pretty sure he's, he's referencing the Moogle. No, what? Because there's, yeah, if I reread the text like four times, because there's two people in the sentence, the pronouns are vague, so it's not 100%, but he says that there's an Ishgardian involved, but it's not the thief, leaving Kuplo as the other possibility. This is super weird, because we don't know about the Ishgardian Mughals at this point in the story, except to this guy, apparently, who knows there are Mughals in Ishgard. Yeah. This guy shouldn't know that. That's really... No, absolutely he shouldn't. Absolutely he shouldn't. So I... I don't know. If there's some... If the sentence structure is vague, I I would have to read it. Like, I don't know what it is that you read that you were like, oh, he has to be talking about the Moogle. Because that's weird. I agree. And why isn't Jan Remy the Ishgardian? Because the the rancher, his name is Lucalot. Mm -hmm. He, He says that the... Thief was not Ishgardian in the same block of text. Hmm. I don't think it's. I don't think it could be the Mughal because I don't think people refer to Mughals as Gridanian or Ishgardian or Uldan. They're just they're Mughals. That's not true because there's definitely a Black Shroud tribe of Mughals, and they they live in the Black Shroud, so they they do have a a place of residence. Sure, but. That'd be like a hell of a slip up. Cause I don't. I don't think they even at this point when they were writing this knew. I, maybe they did. I. I don't know. Yeah, it's I, weird. I, they have a had a pretty detailed world bible. Maybe they did, and then the writer made a mistake, or maybe I misread the sentence. I don't know. It, it just was a weird detail that stuck out to me. Okay. We will worry about Moogles later on. With all this work done, that same Chocobo Wrangler 
Lucola tells us that he's been noticing some balloons flying over the Guardian Tree recently. Ixali balloons, as yes. in like Ixali airships, essentially. Yes. Yes. So not cute, not cute balloons, not fun balloons, and bad balloons. This is weird, too, because the elementals haven't retaliated. That's because the elementals don't do shit these days. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, they are supposed to, and they typically would, which leads, I don't remember who said it, but somebody has to be fucking with the elementals so that they either are unaware or they can't do anything about it. This guy may not have gotten the memo, but after the calamity, the elementals don't do shit. <clears throat> you, you can do whatever and they're not going to intervene. Until they stick a sword in a stump, then they'll get pissed off. Well, that was a treant that was agitated, yes. But I I'm talking about the old days, Wrath of God elementals, who would freeze and evaporate and abduct I people. I see. If they were displeased. Not that made a tree angry. Wow. These are the Old Testament elementals sure, we're talking about. Sure, yeah. <laughs> fire and brimstone and yes. So we go to report this to Mother Miyun. Miyun reads the report and she says she has a dangerous mission for us. Yay. Mother tells us that the guardian tree is the oldest living tree in the forest and is sacred to every Gordanian. It's also home to an elder elemental. Yeah, so guardian tree, do not fuck with the guardian tree. So because the guardian tree is involved, now we all have skin in the game. If the Ixali are, are um, not prevented from doing what we think they're going to do, then, then the elementals will come after everybody with like hella, hella fury. And this is, so this is something that everybody, everybody wants to avoid. So we all get our like shit. We got to get our shit in gear. So this is when she sends us to see Bolord Lewin. Bolord. The Bolord. At yes. the Archer's Guild. We know this guy's fancy because he's got a back office. It's a very nice office. I agree. Did you see that chair? I did. It's it's almost like the uh like the shell that Ariel pops out of in the Little Mermaid. It's it's beyond a decadent but it looks like a shell like with his little the little bow lord pearl perched in the middle of it lewin was a childhood bow prodigy but he refused the recruitment attempts of the um elite unit the god's quiver however he finally joined up after his fiance was killed by ixal so now he's been a member for a, a few decades he's actually pretty old especially for this game he's like 40 ish i think 40 something it's not that old. For this game. <laughs> Connie is like 20-something. Really? More on that later, but yes. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Um, he, he looks good for his age, though, I'll tell you. Yes, he does. He doesn't He doesn't look you know, like he's in his 20s, but I actually assume that he was in his 50s or something because of, you know, you can't reach that sort of position without, you know, putting your time in. I'm just saying that this genre skews young for its protagonists. Yes. We give Bolord Lewin our shocking report. During his reaction to our report, a soldier shows up with an even more shocking report. <gasps> what could it be? It's that the Ixal are moving right now on the Guardian Tree. Oh, shit. There's no time to waste. We're the best he's got. Here we go.
So we rush to the guardian tree. The tree isn't especially tall, actually, but it's very broad. It's, it looks old. It looks very old. It's probably 100 feet across. Yeah, it's just fat. Just a big, fat, gnarly tree that's on this little island in the middle of a river. It's a really cool spot. Yep. There's um, a lot of things go down at this spot. <laughs> <laughs> True. So we rush there alongside some immediately available God's Quiver archers and some wood whalers wielding lances. And we, uh, we all kind of run up there in, a, in various spots to flank them and observe them to see what it is that they're trying to do. So they, we've got a chieftain and probably six or seven other um, Ixal doing like a little back and forth. Like This chieftain is possessed or something's up with him because he's using the black background purple yes. text of the Asians. Yeah, so it, he must have been coached into using this language yep yeah um and then they but then they they switch he does that for a hot second and then switches over to you know the common tongue does like a little um back and forth with his people like a pep talk in some way uh but what they're what they're after is the um crystal from the guardian tree which will like completely upend the twelves wood well they're going to use it to give it as an offering to garuda Yes. And long-term Final Fantasy players will recognize Garuda as being either an enemy or a summon in many games in the series. Lewin deploys us and the bows against the Ixal. This is a lot like the Thanalan fight against the, the Asian because we're mm-hmm. in ankle-deep water in this river, and we have us and the bows and the, the lancers all fighting a group of Ixal. And then the big Ixal chief summons a Blanga void scent partway through. And we fight them all and have to knock them all down. It feels very much like the exact same scene in, in a good way. It, it's a cool moment. It's actually very exciting. Yeah. You know, There's a lot it, going it's on. It's been a, a drag until now, but this is a, a good scene, I think, and a good fight. I agree. Once we have taken all the Ixal down, the Quiver and the, and the Whalers go off to go and chase down more Ixal in the nearby area, yeah. leaving us alone by the Guardian Tree. This is when our masked mage shows up, here to deal with us once and for all. Okay, here we go. Third time's the charm. This is the exact same thing as the other fights, obviously. We fight this guy. He summons a gargoyle for us to fight first. We kill it. We kill him. He drops a purple crystal. It dissipates into dark energy. That's it. However, unlike the other fights, for me, Jen, Papalimo and Ida showed up as soon as I started fighting the mage directly. Yep. After I killed the gargoyle. Yep. And they proceeded just to dominate the fight. Like I, I didn't feel that as much this time. I was doing like 1% damage per hit. And then every time Papalimo dropped a spell, it'd be like 5% knocked off his health bar. All right, guys, you got this covered, apparently. Wow. Have you thought about um, getting good? No, I have not, Jen. Thank Maybe you. Maybe you should think about that. I, I'll Just, try that next time. You know, like, no pressure, but, like, check it out. We, we talk to them briefly after the fight ends. Our character seems to know that they are Charlayan. Ida is confused by this, but Papalimo nods knowingly. He seems to suspect that we have the echo. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, Just, but that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because... We say something in our invisible, unsubtitled speech, and then they both react going, oh, yeah, how'd you know that we're Charlayan? Papalimo's like, hmm, yes, of course. 
This makes sense. Uh-huh. Back in the 1.0 days, Jen, the echo was a big thing there too, and Poplimo is pretty sharp. Yes. He puts things together, so he's like, okay, so obviously this person can know things they shouldn't know, and they can see things they shouldn't see, like Moogles, and speak the Moogle language. So he knows what's up. Eat of those, like, huh? Yeah. So, job done. We go back to Gridania and report to Lewin. We are just about to be debriefed when in walks a notorious figure. <gasps> my name is Khan Esena, and it is my solemn charge to watch over all who call Gridania home. Well met and welcome to our fair nation. She is a young-looking woman with long blonde hair and an ornamental leaf thing. Like a laurel leaf crown of some kind. It's more, the leaves are a more maple kind of, because they have points to them. But it looks in shape like a laurel crown, yes. Yeah. Of course, Khan Isena is the head seed seer, and the seed seers are the pajals that govern Gridania. Despite being a forever preteen as a pajal, Khan Isena has a very mature voice, which I, I had forgotten how she sounded, and I was taken aback by um, her voice in this cutscene. It's also affected, I think, by the pacing of her speech, which is extremely slow. It's distracting. <laughs> uh, she walks slow. She speaks slowly. Like I mentioned before, Khan Isena is super young for a Pajal. She is only 28 at the start of A Realm Reborn. Wow. Yes. She's also, I think, like taller than all of the other Pajals we meet. Yes. Yeah. So she's the leader because she's biggest? Clearly. Yeah. Nailed it. That's how that works. <laughs> Definitely. The Senna line is known for the gift of prophecy, and Khan E is no exception. She foresaw disasters as early as five or so, five years old. And due to her potent abilities, she was elevated to an elder seed seer at a very young age and left the city to go commune with the elementals. However, the strange phenomena leading up to the calamity forced her to return to Gridania and take a more active role in the city's management. And that's it. Yep. That's her background. Pretty vague. Wow. Yeah. I would like to know a bit about her upbringing her education her well, I'm guardians assuming, or you know i'm assuming like all pajal she was taken from her family and she yes. became state property so went to the gradanian school for young hearers <clears throat> I, I mean as a character she fascinates me because it is so it's it is so opaque you just are supposed to take for granted that this anyway um i don't think we'll get any of that but it, it she is a curious person i think she's a bland person <laughs> well now yes and i think that's more uh because of her position i can't imagine her being as i want to see i want to see kid connie senna i want to see what she was like as like a shitty kid i i feel like she would have been mature beyond her years at six years old also and so it's boring true. from birth probably still curious a little, a little uh, biopic would be cool. So Connie thanks us for our service to the forest, and she gives us the yellow stoned Gurdanian ring as a token of appreciation. 
She also invites us to the Green Bliss, which is a ceremony that renews the bonds between elemental and human. A great honor. A great honor. Oh, such a great honor. We've been chosen to play the role of Emissary, which Lewin is making a huge deal about, but we don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, we're like, oh. Cool, I guess. Cool, I guess. Yeah, everybody, just like in the other scenes where we're invited to the blankety blank, everybody in the room is like, oh, whoa, nobody gets invited to these things. And again, that's happening here. But this time, not only are we the emissary, which is basically the, we're acting as the conduit between the elementals. So in the ceremony, it's the elder seeds here and whoever this emissary is. And that is how the elder seeds here and the elementals basically connect during the ceremony is through the emissary. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a major, a major honor. And um, not only that, but... Um, like with the other ceremonies we've experienced in Ulda and Limsa Lominsa, we have to find a piece of stuff to wear that will get us in. I think this one is actually the most This is the best one. Yes. This is the most appropriate for um, in Ulda, we just had to have the special secret, top secret earrings, which is act as, a, as our imitation, like fine. In Limsa, we literally got like a new pair of shoes. Yes. Only because everything else, like everything we were wearing was so shitty. They're like, please let us just put some new shoes on <laughs> And then this time, this is actually a, a um, an artifact that is integral to the ceremony itself. And it is made, well, it's made by the Guildmaster of the Carpenter Guild. It's made from lumber rendered from the Guardian Tree itself. So this this mask is priceless. It's so an insane it, artifact. It's insane we get to keep this. It should go in a museum or something. It or be belongs like, in a museum. I'm serious. Like, it does not belong in our glamour dresser gathering dust. Right? I mean, no, th- this is something, I mean, I w- you would expect it to be held in a, like, a glass case somewhere. Yes. And then brought out for the ceremony and then put back under, you know, heavy guard and lock and key. But no, they're like, well, we, we make one of these every year, apparently, and here, here's yours. But the, the guildmaster, the carpenter's guildmaster... He's like, if you fuck this up, I will take it out of your hide. Meaning that it is reused, No, but... Jen, he will make an unceremonial artifact out of us. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Until after the ceremony, in which case anything goes. Yep, nobody cares. Masks are important in Gridania in general. Besides being used by the Wood Whalers as a way of hiding their identity, they were also used back in the cleansing rituals of the 1.0 days as a, um, a vessel that absorbed the wood sin of the wearer so that the, the wearer would be cleansed of their, their wood sin and not arouse the wrath of the elementals. Ceremony time. We show up and Kanisena taps her staff and there's a glow and blam. Ceremony Done. over. This was built up so much, and then it's just, like, over. I was expecting an amphitheater full to bursting of people. I expected a week-long list of festivities. I expected fanfare and music and, um, you know, rehearsals, since obviously we're not going to get this in the game. Hang like- on. In the um, 1.0 main story quest, 
before your character gets cleansed of their wood sin when they arrive in Gordania, there are practice sessions for your character. There is precedent for this. Wow. Well, we skip all that here. And the the ceremony is essentially 12 people in in the amphitheater. And Connie Senna walks just alone down the aisle and we walk behind her very slowly. That's it. Like her, her handlers aren't there. There's no ar- arcade of, of trumpeteers down this. Like it's. This is built up the most of any of these celebrations that we get at this point in the story. And it is the least impressive by far. It's so anticlimactic. It's yeah. such a bummer. Like, like, should we wait for more people to show up? Or did we not advertise this very well this year? But this was finally a ceremony that had some weight behind it, as opposed to just like, you know, a banquet, which the other two were. They're just like, oh, yep. the, you know, the Sultana's hosting a dinner. We're going to show up to the dinner. So, wah wah. But after she declares the ceremony over, <laughs> our little crystal glows, and we pull it out. Connie Senna proceeds to literally spell out everything about this. I was blown away about how explicit she is after the other leaders being so vague and dancey-dancey around the truth. Yeah. She's like, you must have seen the mother crystal. Just name drop. Blam. And she must have big plans for you. And you must have the echo just naming that. That was the first time anybody mentioned the echo. Yeah. Like, holy shit, she's put a name to the thing. We had no idea. And of course, Papalimo had an idea, but he didn't explicitly say the words. Nope. But Connie Senna was the first person to call it out. Like, oh, 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 oh my God. She knows what it is and she knows that we have it. So I was. She knows stuff. Very surprised at how explicit she is because I felt like the game was just trying to be very cagey. It's trying to build up suspense. What is this thing? What is going on? All we needed to do was meet an elder seed seer of a a very, very rare and magical race of people who is also blessed with the gift of prophecy and, like, you know, otherworldly sight. That's all it took. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, nobody was being cagey. They were only basically telling us what it is that they knew, which, of course, there's limits to that. And Kane Sena is obviously not very limited in that regard. We black out and we have our flashback to uh, the Battle of Cartano with Anisena and Merlfeb and Raban um, monitoring the battle and that whole thing. So a little bit of background on uh, Cartano and the sighting of the two mysterious people in black on the on a far off cliff. We wake up in the inn to Mother Miyun, who tells us the elder seeds here wants to meet us once we've awoken. So we head over to the Lotus Stand. This area is very visually impressive. It's accessed right by the Conjurer's Guild entrance. And the Lotus Stand itself is the meeting area for the Seed Seers and foreign dignitaries. It's a shallow, watery basin with what are essentially stepping stones of petrified logs that lead up to a central island where there is this ornate sunburst table and elaborate wooden chairs around it. And the whole area is fed by a rushing stream and the low point of these mossy rocks and trees all around it. It looks super cool. It is definitely very cool. Connie Senna wants us to be her personal emissary to the other leaders of the city-states to organize a memorial for the Battle of Cartano. 
So we are granted airship access and we are good to go. We did it. We made it, Jen. Woo. I'm tired of griping about Gridania, Jen, but this is awful. <laughs> what is going on here with the Gridania main story quest? It is literally just a dozen side quests strung together, and then bam, asking fight, bam, is over. Yeah, there were a lot of errands to run. There's nothing going on that makes this a story. It is just a bunch of random bullshit where you run around the east portion of the central shroud only. And then all of a sudden, the guardian tree is under attack. Oh shit. Thank you from Connie Senna. MSQ over. Yep. I, I just... What happened here, Jen? We, we get a hint of the meta plot when we meet Ida and Papalimo at the Lifeman stump. And then that goes to sleep for a long time and then level 14 so the the lifeman stumps like a level four or five right yeah and then we do a bunch of side quests and then we have our cursory clay golem fight at level 10 and then do a bunch more side quests and then we have our climax at level 14 yeah the, the whole thing with the guy stealing the egg was such a weird offshoot it was such a weird distraction right why are there two shadowy figures running around yeah. at the same time? It's, it's not, these are not connected. It's not a red herring because the Gridanian quest does not seem to be self-aware to be aware of the meta plot. It just seems like they had nothing else to, to, to suggest a mysterious person besides, quote, shadowy figure. So they threw that name out for this guy as well. No one, no one is thinking this guy is actually the Asian. Yeah, this would be more appropriate for a job quest, for sure. Um, and not not the MSQ, where we're trying to ramp up and and connect the dots between increased beastman activity and this the shadowy figure, like the real shadowy figure. The worst of the class quests has a more coherent plot than this does. Damn. Am I off base here? Do you have a different opinion? No. It it seemed odd but i mean like is it very different from the old i think you had similar feelings about old well old had um a bunch of random quests in levels five through ten starting at level 11 though they have this plot where there is corruption in the brass blades and then that breadcrumbs all the way into the missing crown which then leads to the fight at the asian because yep. he's helping the thieves right yep. so there's five levels of, of side questy bullshit, and then five levels of a continuous plot with a thread that escalates in the way a story does into a finale. Yep, you're right. Thank you. Yeah, this the the egg thing. It seemed it seemed really random. I'm surprised we didn't have any skirmishes or any dealings with the Ixal. That would be the logical thing to do, though, is to to use the Ixal as a constant threat. You know, why are they so active? Why are they so deep in the Twelves Wood? They start talking about wanting to retake their place. And they have these strange resources which were given to them by the Asian, and they are casting dark magics. Who taught them? Also, Jin, 
I'm revising my opinion of Papalimo and Ida from bemusing to negative. Yikes. Them stomping over the first fight at the Lifeman Stump was strange, but whatever. It's, it's a level 5 fight. The Charlene Scholar there is a, a big character and a big part of that scene, whatever. However, this Ascian fight is our moment. We do something big there. We get thanked personally by the leader of that city-state, and we get awarded. It should be Papalimo and Ida getting masks, not ourselves, given the comparative level of effort and contribution that we put forward. You're not wrong. This gives me legitimate imposter syndrome for this character. Wow. Because I'm there being honored. There's no sign of Papalimo or Ida. Well, they're in the audience. Yeah, but they're, they're not up there being thanked. And they did the heavy lifting against the Asian, not us. They've also been hanging out in the Twelves Woods since the Calamity doing like etheric readings and monitoring this, the status of the wood and, and things like that. And As in like all of that plus their contribution to this final battle is, is just it's even more reason why they should have been the emissaries in the ceremony. Well, I, I don't dislike the characters Papalimo and Ida. I just think they're used irresponsibly here. This right. doesn't bias me against those characters. It's not their fault that they show up at the 100% health mark against the Asian, not the 25% health mark, like the other scholars do elsewhere. In those situations, they're, like we brought it before, they act in a, in a healing capacity, not in a, uh, we're going to go ahead and take care of this guy for you capacity. Yep. Do you have any other thoughts, Jen, about the Cordania story quest? Um, no, I'm just happy to move to be moving on. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to not do this same series of events with a different skin for the fourth time. I agree. I, I'm ready to move on too, but I found it to be very interesting to see the different permutations for better or for worse. It, it's been enjoyable for me, even the the worst versions, just to see these different interpretations of it. Definitely. You know, each each city-state has imbued its own flavor onto the uh, onto the series of quests, even though, it, you know, it, they're all going to spit you out at the same spot. But yes, I've I've been, since I have only ever, I had only ever done Ulda, I was very curious to see how this would um, unfold in the other city-states. So, pretty cool. All right. Well, let's talk about the near future, Jen. We've got a few episodes on the old agenda. Yeah. Next week, we are doing our final class quest, The Archer. The week following, we'll be taking a short break with a shorter episode to kind of recap and do some um, post comments, updates, uh, mistakes made, whatever, on the first segment of our, um, of our coverage. It's a clip, it's a clip show. Not really. We won't no, have clips. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not make that false impression. It's a time to to talk about things in cross-section. It's like, I, I found things out about areas we've covered after we already covered them. I was like, oh, hey, wish I knew that two episodes ago. So that said, we would love to hear from you guys. If you have uh, questions or comments or your own insights about all of the stuff we've covered so far. After that episode... So we've got Archer, we've got Recap, and then we'll be doing a special episode about the 1.0 main story quest through the Battle of Cartano, because we are just about to memorialize this battle, which we know nothing about, following the course of the game as new A Realm Reborn characters. 
So we're going to do a, a deep dive into the history preceding A Realm Reborn and catch us up to what this battle is all about. What is the meteor? Where did Bahama come from? All this stuff in this episode. This might be a one or two parter. We don't know yet. We'll see how it goes, how much information we end up covering there. But we think it's important to set the scene for this memorial before it takes place. Is that it, Jen? All right. If you want to give us some feedback about your experiences with the class quests or the city-state main story quest, Jen's going to give us some contact info. <laughs> Our director of marketing, Jen. As always, you can send us stuff to read at two places. One of them is Twitter, at PodReturn. The second one is email at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you next time.